What's up, everybody? This is No Chance Podcast, the podcast about everything and nothing at the same damn time. My name is Ryan. My name is Nate. Thank you all for listening. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? This is episode seven of the No Chance Podcast. And uh, as always, it's your boy, Ryan. And it's your boy, Nate. And um, we're excited to uh, be filming this episode because, like, it's almost been, like, damn near two months. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> two months of doing a podcast? Two months mean? of doing a podcast, yeah. yeah. I would about... say even longer, honestly. No, well, planning-wise, yeah, it took us yeah, damn near yeah, a year. Sure. But realistically, it's, what, there's about four weeks in a month. Yeah. This is uh, episode seven, so I'd say we're almost at, like, two months or so. Yeah. This is pretty fucking exciting because, I mean, oof, I didn't think we were going to make it this far. We're going to be like, oh, we're spending too much money and then just fucking quit and be like, let's just go back to thrifting. <laughs> back to our old shit. We want to thank everybody who actually viewed our uh, our sixth episode on yeah. YouTube. That's pretty tight. I saw it and I was like, dude, we have fucking like 30 views. Yeah. But if you then, haven't checked it out, by the way, yeah. go check that out for sure. We're going to um, upload a lot of new visuals. Yeah. It was actually one of our better episodes just content wise too. So I think... Yeah, I mean, if I you, think so, if I it's think your it was first really time, good. yeah, if it's your first time listening to us, first time watching us, uh, definitely check that one out too. Um, I think that was that one was one of our better ones. So that was the first time I felt like we had like a one audio, maybe not so much video, but that was like the first time we really did video like full length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just watching it back, it was still kind of like. It's pretty, like, surprising, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like It just adds, like, it makes it more interesting because it adds another dimension yeah. to it rather than just having to listen to this Visuals is a whole like, different thing to me. Like, it's, yeah. it's a whole different feeling seeing something, like, seeing how we dress, seeing our mannerisms, seeing the expression. Like, I always thought, and this sounds kind of weird, but I always thought that, like, when I hear people laugh or seeing people laugh, it's a lot different in terms of, like, a reaction, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if, if I'm watching, like, um... Say you watch like a funny movie just and you just hear the audio. It's not as funny as if you actually see the actions going on behind it. That's true. Yeah, I yeah. Guess that, if, yeah, if yeah. That makes sense. That make, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, so definitely stay tuned to our YouTube channel and SoundCloud. Well, not much SoundCloud because we're going to throw in a lot more videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so yeah, episode six and seven, it, just, it does sound kind of weird that you start at episode six when you do our YouTube channel, but... Like I mean, we'll just, it, dude, it took us a long time yeah. to like, work out everything, work out all the kinks. We'll just so. upload the audio um, in, for videos and stuff, and you guys should check that out. And shout out to uh, shout out to B Rains for commenting on our video, yeah. man. That's that's some fucking engagement right there. <laughs> engagement rating is going Rains, up. That's tight. shout out to you for actually watching the video and getting to the part where that was uh, that I was actually talking yeah. about to make that comment and is paying still attention. Awesome and engaging with us so Thank shout you. out to him yes if you if you are if you if you do watch it maybe if it's for 10 30 seconds leave a comment yeah S- tell us tell us why you turned it off at 30 <laughs> seconds you know what's funny is i was looking at like all the statistics and stuff yeah and they basically said like the average viewer time is and it was like a minute and 50 seconds <laughs> and i was like hot damn that's good enough for me hey if yeah, if you're turning it off at a minute, minute and fifteen seconds, at least let us know why, so yeah. that way we can stop wasting our money on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's get into the first topic and probably like the most. I don't, I don't know. I I, I call it pretty exciting because it's not often that they do this. But Supreme opened up to uh, opened 
a new store in Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn, New York. Sort of the the essence, and this is going to be something that we are going to be tying back to throughout the episode, is just the essence of streetwear um, and a little bit about sort of the, sort of the origins. And I don't know, did you, did you buy anything from Supreme? This, like today? Yeah. No. You don't normally buy things from Supreme. I mean, though. I used to, but it's just, I don't know. It doesn't really interest me that much anymore. But like, there's like Stone Island. It was like a Stone Island collaboration. Yeah, I can't you afford You didn't think that was that cool? Stuff. We don't have any podcast sponsors. Yeah, I right. I'm not getting, Actually, pod- we're not getting podcast let's, money. let's talk sponsors real quick. Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, Enterprise Rentals. <laughs> um, I put my car in the shop today, and Enterprise hooked it up with a free Dodge Challenger. It's better than a fucking Kia. <laughs> so shout or out like to them, like a Ford man. Fiesta or something. I had it for one day, and I was just flossing it around the street like I was somebody for like a hot second. Yeah. Hey, hey Enterprise, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, this is fraud. This, I just committed fraud. <laughs> <laughs> also, we're more than happy to drive around rentals. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to sponsor us, we will definitely advertise Even you. if you had like an Enterprise logo on the side. You could wrap our cars right now if you wanted yeah. to, if you paid us a little cheese. Yeah. But, all right, let's get into our first topic. Supreme opens up in Brooklyn, New York. Good thing or bad thing? Um, I don't know. I'm sort of indifferent toward it. It's I think it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I think it makes it more accessible for people. I mean, the one in Soho, obviously, if you live in New York, like it's a subway right away. Yeah. It's like you, you get there easily. But um, I guess... Like, the thinking behind it is that it kind of frees up the strain on just having one That's location true. in New York. Yeah. Um, so I guess the thinking behind it there was that having two locations would kind of make it easier for people to shop. Does Supreme? it make it easier? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think regardless, one location, five locations, whatever, there's still going to be a huge line. Huge demand. Yeah, regardless. there's still going to be a huge demand for it. So I don't think opening up another one shop is going to do much. Do you think it would have been better if they would have opened up in another state or like another country? Or do you think having another sort of New York marketplace? No, I think, I think another place definitely would have been better because they're, I mean, Supreme as a brand already has such a global reach, but I think they could have further cemented that by, you know, having another location in, I don't know where the fuck. Where would you put it? Where would you where where would you open up shop? Um, that's a good question. It's I don't know. Where would you where would you have it? I I would have like Chicago or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good a good sort of area. I wouldn't I I wouldn't think about doing it on the East Coast anymore. Yeah, I think it's a little it 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 just doesn't have the the sort of ring to it. I think maybe perhaps I think uh, now San Francisco doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, well, think of it. Think of it this way: San Francisco ha- does have like a pretty deep, like history with skateboarding. That's true. With, like skating, so that's true. It would sort of make sense to have one here, but I don't know. There's something about San Francisco though that I don't think really attaches itself to the brand, and it, you know what I like mean. Of, like, like you look at you look at places that they previously opened up, uh, uh, London, right? Mm-hmm. They have Japan, and there's something about it that when you see a, a store like that in that area, it's it makes sense. Yeah, because you have the London streetwear that's very like, uh, shit, probably like a Skepta vibe. You know what I mean? It's just like kind of gritty. There's a, there's a bit of like, um, like upper class feel at the same time. You have fancy mixed with grime. Yeah, Japan is just all just like 
flamboyant and yeah. style and individualism mm -hmm. new york is the same way it's very rough gr gritty and they wear whatever the fuck they want they don't give a fuck there's just like a certain sort of attitude there's there. a certain attitude yeah. that i feel needs to be um kind of vocalized with the city around it in order to have a brand like that local yeah. um new york is a little bit this is, is up there as well um i mean sorry los angeles where the other stores but mm -hmm. i don't know exactly i i feel like they kind of just run out of run out of places to, to sort of call home in a sense yeah i mean for a lot of people they don't even necessarily need to go to a supreme store because they're getting a lot of their stuff that's in true. the secondary market anyway or even the online store yeah, yeah or even the online store so it doesn't really matter too much to them um i think do you think it has much more of like a cultural impact that's rather it. than like an actual that's it like commerce like commercial and impact. this goes back to our our the previous episode of just having a storefront and kind of what that does for the culture at least in terms of the, the surrounding culture yeah. of, of kids and adults alike that live there um having it in new york or e and even bringing that to los angeles just look at the culture that sort of developed around that you have the entire like odd future Tyler creator group that came up and they're now like the poster child's uh, poster children of the brand, mm -hmm. you know, like, and that only comes from hanging out at the skate shop, talking to the pros that stop by there. And that sort of develops itself. And then you see like the London one of just having like it becoming this bigger thing of now London streetwear culture is now even more prevalent in American culture and seeing everything from, pin roll jeans to expose socks to air maxes you know what i mean yeah so it, it it does make a lot of sense for it to to be in like a very particular area mm -hmm. um i just don't know where the fuck they would put one at this point besides i mean it makes sense to put a, another one in in new york i think having it in brooklyn kind of brings it back to its its roots yeah. in a sense um i mean i haven't been to new york recently i don't really know where new york sort of culture stands right mm. now but like Lo i mean lower east side soho that area it's not very new york much anymore in no terms of their origins i mean i think a lot of people tend to forget especially nowadays that brooklyn's sort of um gentrified <laughs> a great word to <laughs> for use for lack actually. of a better term um I think they tend to forget that Brooklyn always wasn't this nice place. Yeah, it was pretty. It was actually pretty gritty. It's not like a place it's kind that of you a would dicey want place. to live at. You know yeah. what I mean? Or visit. Yeah, exactly. Like what back in the day when you were going to New York, you wouldn't really go to Brooklyn. Like yeah. it was just kind of you know. First of all, it was kind of out of the way. Definitely. Um and it was just kind of not it's a whole it was kinda bridge like a, away. Yeah, actually. exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't always like the nicest place to visit. Definitely so I not. think in that sense. Supreme is kind of going back to its roots as this brand that is kind of rooted in that sort of gritty kind of like fuck you attitude, yeah. kind of like anti-authority, like anti-authority yeah. attitude. So I think in that sense they're kind of going back to the roots. But and and who knows really like if you have like sort of an establishment in Brooklyn, what sort of builds around that? What yeah. sort of kids come to your store? Obviously, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be the same kids that hung out in the Soho store, but still, it's just it's a community that sort of develops. And the great thing about that story is um, one of the sort of legends of skateboarding is actually the manager of the store. Yeah. Um, Jeff, Jeff Peng is mm -hmm. his name. 
um, big name in skateboarding is now the the head manager of the actual store so it is one of those things where it's like you know shout out to this area we're still local we mm-hmm. haven't sold out um, even though is, they have this is true but this is this is us trying to sort of reinvent themselves in a sense yeah and I guess the funny thing is is you see them go from to the peak right of collaborating with the brand like Louis Vuitton yeah and then they do something like this what do you think the sort of strategy is behind that you think it's just it's as simple as we need another store or it's it's like a strategy in the sense of you know we're getting a lot of flack that you know People think we sold out. People think that we, you know, kind of gave in to this this sort of idea of, you know, we want to be in another realm. But people don't think we're streetwear anymore. People think I don't want these these people wearing our brand that are just on Fashion Week. I want yeah. the skaters to wear our brand. Kind of how like you see Thrasher all over the place. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, do you think it was that that was like a good move? Well, I think it had less to do with the actual generating business part because either way, new location or not, they're going to make their money. They're selling out of everything. They're, yeah, they're selling Products, out of everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they have a million locations. They're going to sell out either way. So I think it was less of a move in terms of trying to capture like more, I guess, market share, you could call it, in yeah. that aspect um, yeah. in Brooklyn. Um I think like we were talking about, it's more of just kind of like a move to broaden out, broaden the community, mm. um, kind of build a community around that store. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the move behind it. Um, obviously, like, of course, they want to sell stuff at that location. And they want to make money. But I think that was kind of the that was kind of the afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that just off of a small move that they did was building like their their signature skate bowl into the store like that alone brings in people brings in kids Uh, i mean at some point when they get you know tired of telling them they can't come in and skate they're going to be able to skate next thing you know they're friends with the owners and all that stuff and that's just a a good piece to kind of solidify the we're here for the community type of thing yeah um so let's kind of talk just origins in general you know we've seen a lot of streetwear companies open up shop um close down open up other places and I, that fucking dmx line just popped into my head which one the shut them down open up <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that popped in my head um but anyways yeah so we see a lot of them come up mm-hmm. san francisco in general we've For seen sure. a lot of great stores come in get bought out and stuff like that um do you remember sort of if you can define San Francisco streetwear in, in a perfect place, and all the stores still remained here, yeah, di- ne- didn't close, what whatever, what would be your sort of all-star lineup of stores that you would keep around in Ooh. San Francisco? Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of great ones. Do you remember what was there before Darkside? Yeah, it was. I actually have a, a good story about that. All one. right, why don't you tell that story? So, um, it was a store opened. I don't know if it was directly opened, but it was. In partnership with um, Stash, Stash yep. um, it was called uh, Nort Slash Recon, mm-hmm. and it was a very boutique style store. Upstairs was all clothing and sort of, you know, bags, accessories, etc. And all the shoes were downstairs, and it was a very sort of it had a very ominous feeling because all downstairs was like all black, like yeah. black walls and everything, and. 
it was my first experience going in there was I looked it up and I saw somebody post a picture of some shoes on uh, MySpace. And there were these shoes that had a stingray pattern. So it was like a stingray material on, it might have been maybe maybe like Dunks or Hirachis. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that and being like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I've been looking, I, I've been knowing every release that was coming out. I've been following. And I was like, where the hell did you get those? And he was like, oh, like this was a limited release at, at Newark Recon. They, yeah. It was there's like Stingray pack or something like that. And it was only released there in like three or four different silhouettes. And I was like, holy shit, like. I got to go to this store. I remember trying to look it up and I was like, it was like no, no results. And yeah. I was like, but it showed the location of where it was on the maps. I think it was, um, you had to print out the map. Map quest. quest. <laughs> yeah. It was map quest, quest at the location. time. And I remember going there with my, my dad, my mom, my little brother, we walked in and then I was like, well, how did he get shoes here? I don't see shoes. Yeah. There. And, and then I saw this like stairs in the back and I was like, um, are the shoes down there? He's like, yeah, go ahead. And so I went down there. There was no sort of uh, sales associate or whatever down yeah. there. So I was just like looking around. And of all things that I bought that day, I bought a pair of basketball shoes. And they weren't even designed to be basketball shoes. They were a pair of, of Nike Sportswear diamond turfs. <laughs> oh like with the strap and everything. I forget who wears those. Sorry, I don't know the athlete. But um, yeah, I wore those for, for years. But I still think I have the bag. From recon in my house. Do you really? I think I do still. That's tight. I might bring that out, but I use that for everything. It was like a, it was a definitely a dope. Like it's kind of similar to like an Urban Outfitters, like that sort of material bag. Yeah. But that was one of the memories I have with that store, and, and luckily I, I have that memory because they're no longer here. But that would be in your like top. I top think stores. so. I think that would be like one. I think that would be the store if I had to choose like one that I was like so nostalgic about, or just one that I. Do you ever go there? Yeah. What, what was your sort of like first experience? Like, did you buy anything? Did you? No, I didn't buy anything. <laughs> you don't ever buy anything when no, you go into retail nah, stores. <laughs> first of all, when I went there, I was younger, so I'd never had. I went there with my friends, but I never, yeah. like, obviously, I was too young to have a job. Yeah. And I didn't have enough money to buy any of that stuff, so it was more of just going there just to kind of take. In, yeah, just to see it, kind of taking taking the experience. What, um, why that store? Like, how did you did you hear about it from? Somebody? I heard of, yeah, I heard about it from my friends in middle school. They were or not middle school. Was it middle school or was it like high school? I don't know. It was one of the two. Yeah. But um, they were like really big into sneakers, really big into like SBs and shit. And yeah. Like oh, that like hey, this is uh, this place is like associated with Sash. Like hey, we should check it out. Yeah. Um, and I mean like my experience there was kind of neither like good or bad it was yeah kinda it was just like, kind of like just, you're just walk there. in yeah, it's a store it oh cool yeah. like cool stuff yeah but i think looking back at it now i think the significance of that store and i think just the fact that it's associated with stash yeah i think that that's just huge like back then you don't really think much of it but it's just that was such a big kind of cultural hub i guess you could say yeah. for sneakers and streetwear back in the day the big thing um, in general that everybody wants in terms of in any industry it's you want an industry run by the people it's made for so a yeah. streetwear store made by somebody that's ingrained in streetwear yeah right so that's sort of makes it what it is and makes it a little bit more legitimate in mm-hmm. a sense you know like you can walk in there and ask them about some Japanese brand or something that you saw on, you know, TV or the internet or whatever, and they'll know about it. 
it's a little bit different when you walk into like and use this as a good example is you go into like a a nike right yeah they seem to know everything about nike not just technology within the product but they know everything about nike going on within the brand yeah you walk into a finish line and you ask somebody hey what's up with this shoe oh you know like it comes in this color and this most color. likely gonna give you some bullshit it, yeah yeah you ask them hey do you what's the history of this shoe yeah uh, you, it, it came out last week no 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 not like that you know what i mean like yeah like it's yeah. a sense of you don't want to be the one that knows more about the product than the person the employee. who's trying to sell you <laughs> yeah, the product, exactly. you know? And, yeah. and it's kind of annoying. Like, And I feel like every streetwear store that I've ever gone into, I've always felt sort of intimidated because I knew they knew more than me. Yeah. And that's what makes it a little bit more exciting because then you start asking questions and they give you backstories and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's always been fun. Yeah, I think just the – I think what initially drew me to just sneakers and streetwear in general was that you can there's so much of it out there and yeah. you don't even realize it you can barely even scratch the surface there's a new brand coming out like every day yeah exactly i mean not even in terms of that but i mean just even back then like there's still yeah. so much to learn um just like why is this colorway significant like who designed this mm-hmm. things like that so i think that's what kind of initially drew me into streetwear and i think for me, I'm like a very obsessive person. Once I yeah. kind of gain interest in something, no, same, like same. I can't put that thing down. Like yeah. I have to learn everything about it. No, that, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think in that sense, that's what kind of drew me to streetwear and sneakers is because I needed to know more. Yeah. Like I was just very, cu- I'm a very curious person. So no, that, no, yeah. of course. And, and I think that uh, in the beginning when you're learning like anything, like there's not a lot of things that you attach to when you're younger mm-hmm. in terms of sticking with, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how many s- different sports I played when I was younger, but I probably only do one, that skateboard now. Yeah. So you, you grow out of things. But something like this, you you can see, w- even if you have friends back then that was in the street, where you can see how they just kind of grow out of it and mm-hmm. they don't care so much about it, or at least the progression of it, that you don't see any progression. Yeah. Um, and I think you just it's something that you just kind of have to fall in love with, essentially. Yeah. Um, dude fucking i had a good point to make but it, it's more so like if you had any other stores i mean um what would what would they be um stores that don't exist anymore that stores I that don't exist stores that are here stores or stores that, that aren't here you mean like that we can't get here yeah i mean there's still stores here that I w- i'd want to keep around but it really depends because there's a there was a, a lot of stores like San Francisco was once the hub of streetwear like streetwear yeah yeah at least here like on the west coast mm-hmm. like SF was even up there competing with LA in terms of like the level the amount of streetwear yeah. places that they had here just the, were, yeah. I don't even think LA really was on, was on the map really I mean l- let's see LA back then you had Union mm-hmm. you had undefeated and you had like early years of hun- the hundreds yeah diamond supply kind of they're they're uh, on the come up like stucy's out there stucy as well flight club was always big bape bape yeah bape yeah. had their la store for for a while i think they're actually building that yeah back. i think they have yeah they're gonna reopen and that. i'm sure there's other ones but to be honest there, there's there wasn't much i mean there was always streetwear out there but there were i mean no there were definitely a lot of places out there to get it yeah but 
not on as big a scale, I think, as some of the brands here in San Francisco. But I think we live sort of, in our minds, we live sort of hyper-local. Yeah. So as a kid, you're not really thinking about what's going on in L.A. and what's going on in New York. The only time you ever really think about it is when you see that collaboration. You're like, oh, Undefeated, where's that? Yeah. And then you see, oh, that's a store in L.A. Next time I go there, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. Or when when you would see the union collaboration with Nike and you'd see all the shoes that they released for that. You're like, holy shit, union union's a cool, cool store. They do cool stuff. Yeah. I got to check that out when I go down there. Um, And I think like they definitely had a solid foundation for streetwear. I think, yeah, even when Supreme opened in like 2004 to like early 2000s. Um, In LA? Yeah. I think it was like 2004, right? Yeah. I think it was around their like 20th anniversary or something like that. Yeah. That's, that's super dope. Um, so who else you got? You got Nort Recon. Yeah. If you were to think of like a block of stores that I would want that to you have, would want, yeah. Either that are gone now or that I would just want to have. Just want to have. <sighs> Past or present. Dover Street Market, dude. I think. A wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That would be sick. Do you think that that could live in San Francisco? I don't think that that could live in San Francisco. I don't think so. Like that in a, in an ideal world, yes. But so I don't think Dover it would Street Market work in San Francisco. For those who don't know and correct me if I'm wrong is sort of like a mixture of the MoMA and <laughs> Bloomingdale's. Kind of. Yeah, more kind of geared towards, well, they're kind of geared more towards like streetwear now, but yeah. um, I mean, they do carry like a lot of designer stuff too. Yes. A lot of like lesser known brands that are still putting out really good quality stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're cool in that aspect, but very gallery type. Yeah. And they house a lot of the, the big brands that are kind of hard to find. And it's one of the only places in a very exclusive place, very sought out after pieces and, they're expensive, <laughs> extremely yeah. expensive. Um, yeah, it's it's fucking ridiculous. But a Dover Street Market would be sick in San Francisco. Yeah, and anything else? Um, fuck. I don't know. I can't really think of any places off the top of my head. That's actually like, enough. Like that's yeah, enough like for if you a had, city. If you like, had that, like you would be good. Like you I'd go to Dover Street else. for the high end shit. Yeah. I go to. Nort for a regular shit. I would go to Dover Street Market to buy like a hundred dollar candles. Oh my god! <laughs> and then, and then I would go to Nort to buy like some that shit. Better do everything. Sneakers. God damn. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, let's see. If I could choose a block, I would. You gotta have Huff. I would definitely Huff, throw Huff okay. back in the yeah, mix. Yeah. But I would. I would make Huff a like a time capsule. You couldn't. You couldn't go past 2010, basically. <laughs> like Huff, Huff, after 2010 became kind of like whatever, w- whatever. Kind of fell off. Down. Not like, really. Yeah. It like so. I went to the Huff store in Tokyo. No, not not Tokyo, Osaka. And All they, right, we get it. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> they they appreciate it so much, and it's almost like, like imagine looking at a magazine. Yeah. Right. Looking at a magazine now that you kept from 10 years and being like, wow, I wish I can go back to that time. Mm-hmm. Tokyo's living all our 2004 at Huff. Like their Huff store is very reminiscent of like that sort of culture of like people hanging out in front and like doing all that. And it yeah. was like a really cool thing to see. 
and I wish we had that type of huff back here. It's it's just more like we, you can get it at Zoomies now. You can get it wherever the fuck you want to get it nowadays. You know how we talked about Japan as like being behind but also being ahead? Yeah, it's weird. Do you think that that kind of era of streetwear is going to come back eventually, come back around and be... Like come here to America? No, I mean not come, like just be in style, I guess you could say or be oh you mean like baggy shit with the fitted hats and stickers yeah do you think like any any of those like little elements are gonna kind of trickle back into mainstream like culture or streetwear culture no no you don't think so i think dude i said that about a lot of things but no 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 i think the closest that we'll really get to sort of that era of streetwear again would at most be like all over print t-shirts but i mean okay. <laughs> that but would I mean, be the most that oh i would God. even those are pretty bad back. but i mean if you look at it now we're still getting like 90s like sort of skate style like looks coming back so do you think like an early 2000s kind of style would ever come back <sighs> but it's a but it's a like it's a full aesthetic like you can't either you go all out you go or, all you out can't, or you there's can't there's no mix. half-assing it. you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. a, like timeless pieces that have come back like denim bomber jackets flannels like yeah. you can if you're you know the the person trying to dress like kanye and you wear a flannel versus the person that's you know a construction worker wearing a flannel you can wear whatever you want in between you know yeah skinny jeans that look like leotards and fucking baggy jeans from Carhartt, you look the same with the flannel on. Yeah. But if you're wearing, like, the fitted hat that's kind of at, like, a 15-degree angle and, like, an all-over print T-shirt, you can't mix that with some Chelsea boots or, like, some Red Wing boots. You know what I mean? Like, everything is sort of intertwined now. Yeah. Like, even vintage. Vintage T-shirts you see mixed with, you know, um, like runway shit nowadays. All right, I'm calling it 10 years from now. No. Early 2000s is going to be back. Watch. Please I'm calling don't it right now. That. That's I'm, like, I'm not, I'm just saying that's, that's what's going to happen. Watch. No, no, no. Maybe no. not like the all, like the really bad all over print t-shirts, but like some aspects of the early 2000s are going to be back. All right. right. Well, I'll be the first one to put rubber bands on the bottom <laughs> of my jeans and I'll bring that back. Or maybe I'll bring back Livestrong wristbands Woo. or... Uh, what fucking else? What else was there? Fucking Jabot jeans. Jabot jeans. <laughs> uh, that that's actually making a comeback. It is kind of. But people are like skinning them up. Yeah. Um. What else was super whack back then? That was that, that was really cool. Just like matching everything. Like you would have to match Ooh. your tall tee with your shoes, Ooh. or like just everything had to match. I'm gonna double layer my t-shirts red on top of white and then maybe a black one underneath and just have that like triple gradient that was going on that was that was so bad that was such a dark time but you know what was cool about that about that sort of era of like the early 2000s sort of like mid 2000s is that to a lot of us everything was new yeah like it all started with like I want to say one of the things that I thought was like really crazy was seeing like like I mentioned earlier all over print shit. Yeah. And that was that was hot. Like that was the coolest thing at the time. Everybody was doing all over print t-shirts, all over print hoodies with the full zip. With the full zip. 
that was like the peak of streetwear. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's when I first like learned about what Bape was like 2004, yeah. 2005. That was the that's the if you can if you can <laughs> if I were to say streetwear and look it up in the dictionary, yeah. you'd see the LRG deadhead. Oh my god, stuff. LRG. That's, I forgot about that. That is the essence of streetwear right there. Yeah. And the peak of streetwear. Um, but the yeah, peak of streetwear. I don't know about of, that. The peak of streetwear. I think that was kind of more of like that was more of a decline, and then it slowly came back up. Th- that's what start. That, that's literally the peak of streetwear. Like when that. You remember watching that video of the what is a hype beast video? Yeah. The early early video. I think it was posted on MySpace. Yeah. Of that guy just basically saying oh, like. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, Dude, I get what are those? Yeah. Oh, I have a connection. Like yeah. that that video. That was when the peak of street. Okay. Right there. Yeah. Everything after that, when the term hype beast became a thing, yeah. it started to become uncool to the cool people. Then it started to slowly decline. But um, yeah, I have a good story about all over print shit. I went to. Uh, on a school field trip, we were to go to, we were going to San Francisco and there was like, um, like an hour after we were to go see a, this play. I don't even know what play it was. Um, the Phantom of the Opera. That's what it was called. We went, to go the see Phantom the, of the we went to go see the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> in the seventh or eighth grade. And we had an hour after and then we were supposed to meet. So the hour was meant to go eat or whatever. And yeah. then we were going to go meet at BART to go back to, uh, to the East Bay. And right after the Phantom of the Opera ended, me and two of my friends, we were probably like half a mile away, but we we were like, yo, we're like really close to Huff. We have an hour. Let's go. I remember going to Huff, and I don't think it was my first time there. I think it was like one of multiple. No, it was my first time there, actually. I went with a couple of friends, and out of all things I bought, I bought a a skateboard deck, (laughs) but it was a... A, a Huff Zip Zinger board. So it was like one of those really small, like surfboard yeah, looking ones. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, I felt like, like it was like the greatest thing ever. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even try to skate that thing for maybe like five years. What year was this? This was in, this was like when Huff Quake was, was kind of big because ah. it had, it had the quake on it. Yeah. So maybe like 2008. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. Around there. Um, but yeah, that's when like, I was like really into streetwear and just going there for the first time was like, it, it, not a lot of people can say that they went there nowadays. Like, like, like uh, like got to experience sort of the, you could almost call it the, like the Mecca of where like streetwear in, 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 in our area sort of started. So the Mecca of San Francisco streetwear started at that store. Yeah. And not a lot of people can say that they're able to experience it. That's true. Um, A lot of people that have brands now actually used to work at Huff here in the city. Yeah. So that's crazy. They actually, a lot of them started their own brand while they were working at Huff. Design for, uh, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Benny Gold. Like, yeah. He designed the, um, the, what's it called? Not the sketch, but the, skyline yeah the huff sketch a skyline uh logo and and then the guy i forget his name but i i want to get him on the show one day is the guy who designs for uh team terrible with the tiger yeah i forget um, his name but he also has a show uh, not a show but a, a he had a vintage store called eugene's place 
Um, is that in still the city. open? I don't think so. Oh. But um, he's he's at Infinite up up the street over on there. like Post Street or, Post street, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a great shop in itself. Um, but yeah, like those two dudes are are like they you kind of see like their roots in streetwear and starting um, at a place like Huff and you know see where that shit takes you. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I think so. Do you think, in a sense, a new Supreme store, like the one in Brooklyn, could ever be kind of a hub or a starting point for other brands like Huff would be? Or do you think it's just another just another shop? I think they're past that. You think so? I think I think if if it's if it hasn't been done already, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna go again. Because there's a lot of people that came out of San Francisco maybe around like 2010 when you know clothing brands and and starting your own movement was sort of like new yeah and um it was cool like it was something that that you you didn't think that you could make your own clothing brand so when you saw somebody else do it it was kind of like whoa like like how much money did that cost yeah like like, did you design that how'd you design that but then nowadays it's as easy as and i saw this fucking ad on youtube you literally take a picture of something that you like you send it to this uh, this email like it's a shirt app, and they send you shirts. And I'm like, it wasn't that easy before. You yeah, know? it was a bunch of screen printing, and, and sometimes you had to do the screen printing yourself. Yeah, like you actually had to get a screen yeah. and print it yourself on a t-shirt one by one. And and you just all you had to do you gave out shirts to your friends. Hopefully those friends knew people, and mm-hmm. that's how your brand spread. It wasn't just I'm gonna put it on Instagram and tag hashtag hype beast and next thing you know like people are into it now people are asking you to make more like it was it, it's not as as difficult anymore and there's yeah. no sort of meaning or i think essence yeah to i it. think just the the value of having to having that having to struggle to put something out there and actually having to work for success yeah i think that gets kind of lost I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of new brands out there that do work really hard, do put in a lot of hours um, to get themselves, get their name out there. But I think definitely today it's a lot easier to yeah. start your own brand just because of the exposure you can get in like almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I think back then, like we like we keep repeating it it was always streetwear was always always word of mouth yeah it was always learning about it from another person yeah um now you can learn about stuff on the internet you don't so really have easy. to yeah and i don't think to this day i don't think there's a brand that i still don't like mess with that i didn't discover in 2010 i think that was the cutoff for when i started to adopt new brands or buy clothing from you know people that weren't just sold in these you know big stores you know yeah and ever since then i don't think i've been able to attach myself to to any brand like that like i'll look at like a brand like palace and like Mm -hmm. that kind of started maybe like a year and a half ago two years ago in terms of like a a uh united states sort of blow up yeah and but now i just look at it like oh that's cool but i never buy it i never wear it I, i mean it's it's definitely stuff that i would wear but I don't have this sense of attachment to it that I did with a lot of these other brands that I'm into. Yeah. Like I, I guess like a good story is like, so the first time I went to infinite, um, this shop on post street, very similar to like a very, 
uh, boutique style shop, super small, probably the size of this damn studio, to be honest. Really? Like, that's I've actually the door. never been there. And then whatever, but it's super small and they house maybe a couple of like smaller brands, a little bit of Huff, a little bit of, um, at the time, maybe some Diamond, just and some other like small brands from like friends around the city. Yeah. And the way I found out about it was because there was a brand that somebody in Odd Future was wearing. It was called Freed Minds. Have you ever heard of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So Freed Minds is a brand that started in San Francisco by two people. And that was, besides the online store, that was the only other place that you could buy it was Infinite. Yeah. So I went there one day because I'd seen, like, the Freed Minds post, like, hey, come get our stuff at Infinite SF. So I went there, and there was a guy there. And I was like looking at the shirts. He was like, "Hey man, let me know, you know, if you if you want anything in a different size or color." And I'm looking at the shirts, and I was like, "Look, none of these shirts are like I like like color wise, and they didn't have any of my sizes." So I just bought one because like I just wanted to be a part of the brand. Like there was something about like true SF culture that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah, and that's what they were sort of um, portraying on their their brands and or their their graphics and stuff. And then um, so I. I bought it, and the guy's name, his name is is uh, Paolo, and he's like he was the guy who you know was working with the brand, the creative director for the brand. I was I'm guessing, and that guy went on to create Rare Panther, which is like one of the biggest yeah. like um, I'd say I wouldn't say Instagram streetwear brands, but sort of like uh, niche streetwear brands not really in the mainstream but yeah. also just kind of you could high. still get it pretty much anywhere yeah you can get it on hypebeast web store you can get it at a, at a lot of different places but you can see how like that's that sort of transition of just like these people have not just popped up out of nowhere you know these are people who have been grinding for years trying to create something that they stand for it's not just another t-shirt yeah. On an app, yeah. On a thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, do you think eventually, because of the way things are going, that it's gonna eventually be just sort of that easy to start a brand? Do you think every yeah. brand is eventually gonna be that way? Yeah. Every every brand is gonna become so robotic in the sense of there's gonna be a competition. There's gonna be a competition between the big names the hundreds diamond you know um fuck i can't even name uh, maybe even even like with with stores that have their own brands and undefeated yeah you know there's going to be a lot of competition with these these instagram brands or these quote-unquote kids who come up out of nowhere so do you think that big brands like that are going to go out of business because it is so it's so easy for competition to pop up like there's no real barrier to entry in terms of like the market for streetwear. Do you think that bigger brands like that will eventually die off? Yeah, I think so. I think it's slowly declining because you got to see like who dictates what's cool other than the youth. You know what I mean? Like if if one day this young kid who's a rapper decides to wear this brand and next thing you know like everybody loves this rapper and now mm -hmm. everybody's wearing that brand you're gonna see that brand go from 
damn near dying to the next big thing. Yeah. Have you seen collections and putting their stuff in store? Nautica is a great example. Of oh, that yeah. Because Nautica was dead. It was, it literally, that boat sank. Yeah. And fucking <laughs> Low Yachty started to wear that stuff. And next thing you know, it's in Urban Outfitters. It's commercials all over the place. And people are wearing it again. And, yeah. And that just, they had a perfect opportunity at the right time to attach themselves to an artist. Also, that artist that just loved their clothing in general. And then you see people starting to wear vintage again. And next thing you know, look, perfect timing. Reinvent yourself. You know what I mean? But look at the brands that, that were once cool but aren't anymore. Like a True. True stood the test of time mid to, mid to late 2000s. Yeah. And now I don't see anybody wearing a True shirt. Unless there's that that one old that, that one older guy that sort of lives like it's still 2005, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so, so you start to see him die off. So, do you think bigger brands are gonna have to kind of adapt in that sense? Do you think that they're gonna have to kind of attach themselves to what is in style in order to stay afloat? It's hard. It's I think it's it's gonna be difficult because you saw how you you saw a prime example of that when you saw brands uh, hop on the bucket hat train. Yeah. and Or it it could be any trend for that matter. Any trend, yeah. Yeah. You can see how a lot of them did it well and did it to the the likeness of their brand and others just did it to do it. Yeah. And I think the brands that are just doing it to do it are the ones that aren't going to make it. So Because they're constantly playing catch up with the ones that are, you know, actually doing. And and if you're not a brand that's, that's rooted in you know what you stand for like a supreme doesn't give a fuck what they release they're just going to release it obviously Mm -hmm. there's little bite-sized bits of them hopping on trends yeah but you don't see them sort of caring at all i mean honestly they release the same stuff over and over again and i think that's both a good and a bad thing because it's it's good because it's them staying true to what they know yeah and not trying to Uh, do anything outside of that that or change up too much Um, but at the same time it gets kind of monotonous it gets repetitive Um, so I think there's a balance that a brand has to find in order Mm. to kind of stay relevant while also staying true to themselves you know yeah and I think it's the decisions that they make in terms of collaborations you know like Bape is dead Bape, I'm actually wearing a Bape sweatshirt because I just Damn, like the design. But, but Bape, Bape is slowly dying in terms of they're doing a collaboration with literally everybody. You ever, yeah. you ever hear the, how everybody says that once Nego left, Bape died? Yeah. And now you can see them collaborating with every artist. Coca-Cola. Collaborating with every company. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's watered down. Like, you, you, you got to see sort of where these brands are going nowadays. And it, it is kind of sad. To be honest, it's it's really sad. Yeah. I mean, it's just sad to see brands that you once held so dearly kind yeah. of fall off and not and kind of just die. Yeah. Like it's kind of like seeing this puppy that you've had for like 12 years and it's just <sighs> shout out to the puppy. It's about, <laughs> it's about that time. Sorry, man. Got to put oh, you down. Man, put him down. I don't know, man. Like do you, uh, let's use True is a good example of this because True used to be the San Francisco, like the San Francisco only streetwear store. Yeah, and for those, yeah, for those of you don't who don't know, True is a store that um, they carry their own in-house brand, mm-hmm. and they also carry other. Uh, they carry sneakers, streetwear, 
other streetwear brands as well. So it's just kind of kind of a mix. It was of all a good. It, it was a it was a huge starting point for a lot of kids in terms of like I want to I want to dress like that. I yeah. want to get those shoes, whatever. And this was a place like your local your local Target. Like uh, yeah, if you want a streetwear shirt, you go here because they're gonna have your size and they're gonna have a lot of yeah exactly. And if they don't have it in this design, there's another design that looks just like it. So come and get it. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't go there anymore. And is it a thing of we're just not into that? Or is it a thing of it's it's just not cool? Because there's some brands that we still wear since we were younger that we think are cool today. And they're still doing the same stuff. But Well, I think it's just the stuff that they carry at that store doesn't necessarily appeal to me anymore. Um Actually, I haven't been there in a while, so I wouldn't <laughs> know. But uh, <laughs> I mean, from the just from the the last time that I've been there, which yeah. has to be, I don't know, maybe over like two years ago now. Like, damn, it's maybe two, three years ago. Um, I don't know. They just don't carry anything that really appeals to me, and I don't know. That's just not my thing anymore. I kind of grew out of that. But what did you grow out of? I think what it's just it my them? sense of style doesn't really reflect what they carry in that store. It's more, mm. it's geared more towards people who, like you said, are still kind of living in that Bay Area, like streetwear yeah. heyday of like yeah. mid 2000s. So I think in that sense, they still have that same image. It just doesn't necessarily reflect what my image is now. So, question then what if true? And, and this kind of um, goes with your style. Say True decided to release, I mean, what are you wearing? Like just regular chinos, yeah. like a, like blank quality T-shirts, workwear. Yeah. Would you buy that from them? Oh, yeah, I'm there. Serious? Yeah. Like if they carried, yeah, if they carried brands that I. Not w- brands. Just like. Just a True in-house. In their in-house brand. In-house brand, pants, shirts, jackets, beanies. Would you would you actually go there to buy logos it? or no logos? Let me like small branded logos, subtle logos, embroideries, small stuff. You're wearing the people know you're wearing a true item, but it's it's basic. It goes with your style. It, does that? I would. Yeah, I think I would. You really think so? Yeah, I think so. For, well, okay. One, it's kind of out of the way, like the store itself. But I think if it fit in with my own style, I don't see why not. Uh, but are you, are you the type to be very much into brands though? No, not really, dude. I'm wearing f- I'm wearing five dollar pants from Goodwill right now. I thought those were Dickies. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're asking. Yeah, no. For me, it matters less about the brand. It to me, when I look for clothing or look for a brand that I gravitate towards, it's more so quality mm. and does it fit in with my style. Just those two criteria and other than that like i could care less like it could be fucking it could be like a target pair <laughs> of line, like chinos line. but if There's it's no good way. quality and it's, no way. it stands up i don't look, believe that look, i don't tell, believe dude, that i'm wearing five dollar pants right now okay you're gonna tell me what's the brand that was on that i have no idea that's the thing you don't know yeah exactly said, because i don't care if if you were to find that same pair of pants at what goodwill would you find it goodwill. i found these at goodwill yeah if you were to find that same pair of pants you tried them on they fit perfectly they went with your outfit you could damn near wear them out the store yeah but on the back it said 
nice or <laughs> what? Uh, like on the ass it just said nice ass no no <laughs> it's a brand or like Jinko or um <laughs> uh fucking Averex equate like the Walmart brand any Kirkland <laughs> if it said Kirkland on it yeah you gonna fuck with it I mean, in that sense, <laughs> come on. It, it, it's because the, you Probably don't have any not. logo, no branding on it, no nothing. Yeah. So you don't, it's not, you're, there's, you're almost wearing a stigma in a sense. Like if you wear like Kirkland jeans. And yeah, like logo you know in yourself that you, if you're caught, if you catch yourself wearing Kirkland jeans, like, oh, you're like, you, you try them on, you look in the mirror and then you see the logo, you're like, oh, nah, I'm, nah. I'm taking these off. Yeah. Right, like it's it's yeah. like a it's like a mental thing. Like we attach ourselves to our brands to a certain extent, and the fact that there is no brand on those pants makes you wear them even more. <laughs> because who knows, man? Those could be these could be anything. Those could be baby fat. They for could all be. We know. They could be fucking. I don't even know. But yeah, I don't know. In that yeah, okay. In that sense, yes. Like, I do care about brand, but I'm not obsessing over it. To the point where I'm like, okay, I'm only gonna buy this brand because, like, this is the brand that I fuck with. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm. You're you you have a you have particular brands. But yeah, you go outside of your bubble. Yeah, like I'm down for anything, as long as. <laughs> Kirkland, you're not down for Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> you're not down for Kirkland. Maybe. <laughs> hey, Kirkland makes some good stuff. Kirkland tequila. That's Kirkland. Ooh, shout out to Kirkland tequila. Yeah, I mean. Like if we're talking brands, are you gonna drink? What's what's a tequila brand? I don't even know. Ah, fucking Patron? Jose Patron. Okay, nah, Milagro. Okay, are you gonna buy the thirty dollar bottle of fifty dollar bottle Patron, or are you gonna buy the Kirkland brand for sixteen dollars, knowing that they're damn well almost exactly the same? I'm a brand whore, man. I'm buying that Milagro. The, no, right, I'm gonna take it a step up and buy the Don Julio. Oh I'm sorry, my man. God. <laughs> But I mean, basically what I'm trying to get at is even if a brand like True decided to make workwear-inspired apparel, there's still something attached to that in terms of we know where True came from. We know in our head that True, you know, is this great brand. But if they – we feel like they're reaching outside of what we know of them. Mm -hmm. That's like seeing Michael Jackson decide to sing opera. It's like, we don't know you to sing opera. Stick to pop or stick to you singing. It's kind of like, don't do something that you're we're not used to you doing. Yeah. But everybody tries to reinvent themselves, and some lose out on that. And some of them, that's why they die off. And it's some of them try to live in, an, in, a, in a time capsule, essentially. Yeah. And they end up dying off because if you're not progressing, but progressing in a tasteful way, then I don't see you making it in this industry. That's very true. I mean, everybody reinvents themselves at some point. The world is a cutthroat place. That's cutthroat. all I doggy can say. Doggy dog. Doggy dog. But what I mean, what do you think about that? Because like, there's a lot of brands that do reinvent themselves. Like, and some of them stick to what they know, and that works for them. Um, but some don't. What do you mean? What do I think of that? What like, do you think in terms of you know a lot of these brands nowadays? Do you, do you think like they're gonna they're gonna make it? Do you think like a good example would be like, who's been around for a good amount of time? Stussy keeps their essence in no, the No, I think, dude, Stussy is getting trendier and trendier. Really? Yeah, I think so. You think like, so? Like, they're getting trendier and trendier. 
as like the seasons go on. Wait, how though? Because all I, all I ever know of Stussy is great graphics, long sleeves that are always cool. They yeah. always have like the solid basics. No, yeah, for sure. They still have the really good graphics, like the core essence of like which streetwear is, yeah. but they've kind of latched on to more of what mainstream like streetwear or mainstream fashion is going for. Like if you go if you go on their website right now, I guarantee you you'll see pieces there that you wouldn't have seen like last year or things like that. Like it's just what, like though? um like real like really cropped tr- like chinos that are like wide legged and tapered or Ooh. like printed pants or like full on track suits. Like you wouldn't okay, have, yeah. like you wouldn't have seen those like no, yeah. la- like two years two, three years ago. So I think in that sense they're becoming they're adapting, but they're still kind of keeping that like their essence. Yeah. Um they're kind of mixing mixing it in. I'd know? say like they, they don't do it to the sense where it's annoying. You yeah. know what I mean? Like full collections designed after this trend. Yeah. Some companies are like guilty of doing that type of stuff. Yeah, like, for sure. I say like a Supreme and a Stussy are very much on the same par of being tasteful and also sticking to their essence yeah and, and following trends because everybody has to they i mean it's you you just have to in order to keep up yeah but there's some that stick to what they know and they don't jump away from that and for those companies i don't have any off the top of my head but for those companies how do you think they can i mean how do you think they make it how do you think they succeed because they're gonna die off so if you could if you were to look them in the eye and say this is what you need to do as a company in mm-hmm. order to survive, what would you tell them? Um, I think the biggest piece of advice, and I'm by no means an expert in anything at all. Um, <laughs> We're and I mean that in anything. We're in anything. experts. Um, but I think the biggest piece of advice I could give to a brand or a person in that situation is that you have to gain an outside perspective somebody who is sort of in tune with what is in style or somebody that is like somebody that is something or somebody that knows what is going to be in style sorry um in order to kind of stay afloat because i feel like at times brands have tunnel vision Mm -hmm. they don't really see what's around them they only see their kind of end goal in sight and they're too focused on what they currently are and they're kind of resistant to um looking at outside sources for inspiration things like that so i think it's important to gain another viewpoint another perspective yeah so i couldn't have said it any better than myself yeah um that's exactly why kith brought on emily oberg I only said that because I knew that you would react like that. Emily Oberg's cool. Hey, uh, Emily Oberg, if you're listening to this and want to be on our podcast, you are more than welcome. For anybody that doesn't know Nate, he blatantly hates Emily Oberg. I don't Oberg. hate her. Then what is it? I'm just, I don't it's know. A, it's a, t- it's a like tasteful dislike. A tasteful dislike. I'm, I'm, I'm a critic. I'm not a hater. Okay. I'm a critic. All right. Okay. Shout out to you. <laughs> You'll be on this podcast one day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically what we're trying to get at is, I mean, streetwear is going to keep living, but a lot of the brands that 
you know, consistently try to live in an era where they are basically they don't belong anymore. Like we're we don't live in two thousand and four, two thousand and five. So if you consistently want to live, God. In the, yeah, thank God. <laughs> if you consistently live in the past, then you know you're gonna get overlapped by the fucking future. So. Yeah. I mean, shout out to all the brands that are really pushing, you know, the culture forward. And and by the way, if anybody wants to send us free gear, we are more than happy to rock it on the podcast. Of course, um, yeah. And we'll get high definition video of us. Yeah, it. for sure. We'll film everything in that clothing. And we'll, sh- we'll even shoot a little promo clip for you. Yeah. So fucking send us your shit. Yes. And uh, on, Please. on that note, uh, check out the interview of Nate that's going to be posted Um Maybe there's like a post. Maybe there's like a link somewhere. somewhere. I don't know like how YouTube works yet, man. I don't know how it works yet. <laughs> we're new to this I'm shit. Point somewhere, and there's gonna be links there, but just in this general area. Yes, we're gonna try to post like cool, really cool lookbook sort of editorials. You're gonna be in charge of that. You're gonna you, you got the the mind going and the, I got the, it. I got the ideas it. rolling. Yep. And uh, check out the interview of Nate. I interviewed him. I know it sounds kind of lame, but I interviewed him <laughs> just so our viewers can get to know us. I think that's kind of cool. And I've always loved interviews. We'll probably do a Ryan interview next. Maybe someday. You know, probably I want to be. Week. I want to be mysterious. <laughs> I don't want people to know who I actually. We'll just blur know. your face out. Yeah, I'm gonna be like <laughs> MF Doom and just wear. We'll just mask, pixelate you know. your face. Um, but yeah, check out all the new shit that we're gonna be posting on our on our channel. Um, we're gonna be posting a lot within the next couple of days, so definitely stay tuned. This um, was yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Follow oh. us on Instagram, yes. and Twitter at No Chance Podcast. Yes, that is correct. Another link somewhere over More here. More links in the description, actually. Yes, in, in the, the description. description, we'll link our social media and all that jazz. And, and um, uh, what's what's your uh, what's your tag? What, what's your what's your handle so people can follow you on your personal? Oh, um, Nate since ninety five. And, uh, no I'm, underscores or anything. I'm Swan, S-W-A-N, out here. And uh, that's episode seven. That's epi- six or seven? That's Eight? episode seven. Episode seven? Last year. Uh, n- last not last year. year. Last <laughs> week. Sorry, it's been a while, but last week we got them mixed up. But this is episode seven. Don't forget, follow us. Watch our past episode six. And uh, then next week you can watch uh, episode eight. So, episode eight. Yep. Peace. We out. Bye.